0: Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this day. Thank you that we can come together as family and we can worship you today. And thank you that you are our cornerstone. You are that mighty rock that just stands and the waves of life wash over. And every time they draw back, you're there and you don't change. Your love doesn't change. You're that solid foundation that's always there for us today. And into the future. So, Lord, we just thank you for that love today in Jesus' name. Amen. So, welcome, welcome to church, guys. Welcome if you're here in person or if you are viewing online. um, A very big welcome to you. Just take a moment. I know in these COVID safe times, we can't go hugging people or shaking hands or things like that. Take a moment to have a look around. Give someone the best smile you've got. Make eye contact, make it sincere. Very good. Have a think about who you might be able to catch up with when we have a cup of tea later. And maybe catch up with someone you haven't seen for a while, because with these COVID times, there are a few people we haven't seen for a while. And there may be new people or visitors that you haven't seen at all. Well, maybe catch up with them and make a new friend. We have our Connect Cards and our Next Step Cards, which are available on the church app or on the online platform. Um, if you are a new person, we really love it. If you fill in a Connect Card so that we can know who you are and that you are here today. And if you want to let somebody know something, um, it may be a prayer request. Request. It may be just telling someone they're doing a great job. Um, it might be telling someone they're not doing a good job. That's okay, I know you'll do it nicely, but that's what the Connect Cards are for, okay? So use them, they're a great, great way to communicate in our church. Um, the Next Steps cards are there as well, same thing on the Church Centre app or the online platform, and they're there if you're thinking, well, what next for me? Um, you know, here I am coming to church, doing the things, but I'm not sure what's, what's next for me. So, that could be a whole range of things. But if you fill in that card, one of the pastors will get back to you and we can have that conversation about what next in your walk, um, what next in your life. Very good. We have a bike ride coming up from Coward to Glengarry, which is 36 kilometres, which sounds like a long way, but it isn't really, because Pastor Jack, Jackie assures me that it's downhill in both directions. And... <laughs> We all know the wind out there is always at your back. So it's, it's always really easy. Um, if you're not quite convinced yet, there is a shorter option, so you can join it halfway through, so it's only half the distance. Now, that is next Saturday the 20th, starting at 9am in Kaua. Uh If you see Tim or Lisa, they can fill you in on more details. Or if you go online and register with the Church Centre app, there's a few more details there as well. But it'd be great to see you. Um, I always try and go on the bike rides and you have a wonderful time. It's just a great time of talking and socialising with people and you get to drink some good coffee. So, it's got all the good things. Speaking of good things, Good Friday is coming up, of course, with Easter. Now, that's the 2nd of April and our service will be at 9am. Now sometimes in the past we've been at nine thirty but it'll be nine am and that is because we want to have our service but be able to get into town and join in with the other churches as they do their walk of the cross now they've done that for a, a few years and it's a really meaningful time to get together as Christians from all different uh, faith communities and to actually um, parade through the town following the cross of Jesus um, singing some songs together, praying together, and just being a a visible presence in the community to remind them what actually Good Friday is about. It's not just a public holiday. So I'd strongly encourage you to try and get along to that as well. But the main point for this morning, remember, nine o'clock Good Friday. Very good. all our other notices and there usually is a fair few other things going on and birthdays and things like that have a look in your newsletter which you should be receiving in your email box if you're not uh, we may not have your email details so let us know on a connect card or write it down somewhere but that'd be really good so now we come to our offering time now, I don't know about you, but I kind of like it. The offering box now is a little box that sits up the back by the back door, which Breck is holding above his head and pointing at. Very good. Um, so, it's just there. If you want to put an offering in, you can put it in as you're coming in or out, and that's fine. I remember the days when um, we used to pass buckets round, or sometimes in different churches it would be a bag, or sometimes it would be a plate, and there's always embarrassing weeks when you forgot to bring your wallet and you weren't prepared, so you'd sort of pop your hand in the bucket and give it a rattle as if you'd put something in or you'd tap the bottom of the plate as it goes past, go, yes, i put something in. Um, but I used to find I was always concentrating on, you know, when's the bucket coming, how many rows is it, is it coming from my right, is it coming from my left, and, as well as rummaging in my pocket for money and things like that. Yes, um, ministries need money to run, Absolutely. But our offering is about so much more than that. Uh, And when God talks about our offerings, it's so much more than that. In Micah chapter 6, verse 8, God says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. It's all about mercy and not sacrifice. For a lot of us... um, we may find if we're making an okay income, it's easy to be able to give. But have a think about what we're offering God in the rest of our lives. How are we offering our time? Now, that may be serving on church teams on a Sunday, it may be on a cleaning roster or something like that, but God looks at your whole life, not just church life. It may be for you that You may be like the the widow who could only put a couple of coins in at the temple. Well, that may be your time. Your time might be so tight that all you have is a little bit of time to offer to read a bedside story or say a prayer with one of your kids. Um, It may be that your offering might be taking the time to go around and talk to a neighbour, catching up with a friend over a coffee, So, when we think of offerings, think of your whole life um, because that's what God does. He looks at your whole life and He he just asks, what are you willing to offer me? What are you happy to offer me? Um, He doesn't want you to do it out of a sense of guilt or thinking that, you know, I have to do this or God's going to hate me. He's going to love you regardless Um, but He just wants the best for you and it's part of that offering, whether it's Our time, whether it's serving, whether it's money, part of that is just expressing that love back to God again. So we're just going to have a time of prayer. Please stand and just join me as we pray together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much that you always love us, no matter what we give or don't give, or what we withhold, uh, or the attitude in which we give it. But Lord, we know that just like the loving Father you are, you love it when your children come back to you and give um, openly and happily, uh, and in a way, just to, to please you, because we love you. So Lord, I pray that you take our offerings of money and you take our offerings of time and you take our offerings of service and Lord that you bless them and use them so that more of the world can know about your love and more of the world can know about your hope and your light that this world doesn't have to be such a dark place and Lord we think of the people We know that need that hope and need that light and need that love right now. They need to know that you are there. They need to know that you are that solid foundation that never goes away and your love will never waver for them, no matter what it looks like. Lord, for families that need healing right now, that need physical healing for their children, that need emotional healing for relationships. we pray that they feel your presence today and they feel your love for them today. So, Lord, we thank you so much that you are such a loving Father. And, Lord, I pray you help us to see the opportunities we have in our lives to be able to offer ourselves to you in this coming week pray these things in jesus name amen father we do thank you that you are
1: lord no matter what the circumstances are that you are the one that's in control even when we don't feel like it father we thank you that you are the one that carries us that encourages us and blesses us and father now as we just gather around your word as we tune our ears to you afresh this morning may you speak to each one of us may we have hearts that are willing to not only hear your voice but obey and we give you all the praise in jesus name amen amen thank you take a seat hey it's good to be back i was only here a few weeks ago i must have done an all right job so it's, uh, it's, it's great to be back. And, and let me add a welcome to Sean and Rachel and Harry, who's disappeared, already sick of my preaching, but is in creation. It's great to have Sean and Rachel. Give them a clap. It's, for those that don't know, Sean and Rachel Sean sort of grew up in this church and then disappeared over some little country over in the UK somewhere, but finally convinced his wife to come back. So that's nice. So, you'll see them around. It's great to be here. Now, I've been watching the senior pastor very carefully, and I've noted one thing about his preaching. He starts most of his sermons with a story about his kids. So, you know, it's good to learn and grow from people. So, I thought maybe I should start my sermon with the same sort of thing with a story about my kids. And some of them are squirming. Um, and then I thought, no. Because my kids are just that little bit older than his, just a few years. And I don't want to define my kids by what they've done in the past. Because I know what that, that's like. And, and, and as I think about that, I wonder how many of us define who we are by our past. If I was to ask you just in 30 seconds to come up here and introduce yourself to us, how many of you would say, I am and I do this for a living and I grew up here and I have done that and I've achieved this? That's sort of how we define ourselves, isn't it, by our past. And, and for some of us, that's, that's okay. But for many of us, our past is quite painful. Our past has things in it that we wish we didn't have to go through. I could tell you stories about things that have defined who I, who, who, what, what could define who I am by my past you know for those who've been around a while I've I've shared a little bit about my past over the over the journey of the last 20 something years I've been around and and you'll know a little bit about who I am you know my my family of origin is this is going on the website so I'll be careful my family of origin is unique i, I you know it's not bad but it definitely didn't teach me good relationship skills I don't think didn't teach me bad ones and people have had a lot worse family of origins I I recognise that but you know we were always civil to each other but we we weren't close and I could allow that to define me it impacts me but it doesn't define who I am it doesn't define the way I do relationships now you know I, I could talk about how churches in the past, not this church, obviously, but churches in the past have treated me and some of the painful experiences that I've been through and, and sort of let that define the sort of pastor I am, the sort of preacher I am, the sort of person I am. And it definitely impacts, but it doesn't define who I am. We can easily allow our past to define who we are and to define our future. But that's not the case. It's not what God would want of us and it's actually not really the truth. We have the power and the choice to actually define what our future is like ourselves. We hold our future... In our hands. And that's what I want to talk about. We can't change our past. But we can definitely change our future. We, we have a, a choice. Each day of how we're going to react to the circumstances around us. To the situations around us. To the way we think about... What what's happened, and what is happening to us? The uh, there's that famous scene in in The Lion King, which if you're my age, you would have sat through many times with your kids, um, and 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 watched, or if you're a grandparent, where where sort of, the, you know this little lion cub's sort of wondering about his future and. And wondering about what what's happened, and and all the all, all the decisions he's made in the past, and Rafiki whacks him over his head with his stick, and he goes, "That hurt!" And he goes, "You don't worry about it; it's behind you." And to a sense, that that's you know simplistic version, but that's sometimes what we've got to do. The past has whacked us. But it's behind us we can't change it we can't stop that whack it's always going to be there but we have a choice as to what we do with the pain and the anguish and what we do with what's left in second corinthians 15 verse second corinthians 5 verse 17 says this and you'll know it therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creation the old has gone, and the new has come. You see, if, if we truly believe that verse, you know, it's not a band-aid verse. It's not a verse that says, oh, you've got a sore; let's put a band-aid on it and cover it up. It's a verse that says, your past regardless of what it is that old person has gone and a new has come something new and fresh has happened if you know Jesus if you if you're, you're choosing to follow Jesus each day then the old has gone and the new has come it doesn't mean those experiences are washed away, it doesn't mean those experiences are forgotten about but it means you've got a new, a new spirit, a new person, a new relationship with God in which to build a new life. John 8, 31 and 32 says this, To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. There's a condition there, isn't there? If you hold to my teachings. Not in a legalistic way, but if you actually choose to follow what this book says. If you choose to follow in the footsteps and where God calls you, then you'll understand that truth and the truth will set you free. The thing is, we can't live our lives Tomorrow. We can only live them today. So, so the choices we make, the decisions we make, the, what we choose to do today will define our tomorrows, but we can't live our, uh, our today, tomorrow. And, you know, the Bible talks about don't worry about tomorrow, just worry about today. So many of us can worry about yesterday or we can worry about tomorrow. But God simply says, what are you doing today? What are you choosing to do today? I don't know about you, but that takes a lot of pressure off me because I'm a bear of a little brain and I, one day is enough for me to cope with. One day is enough for me to, to deal with. It's got enough decisions, it's got enough choices, it's got enough pressure to deal with. And if I'm thinking about tomorrow, I'm going to, you know, I can think about, I've got to do this tomorrow, I've got to do that tomorrow, I've got to achieve this, I've got to, or I can go, yesterday, I, you know. But God just says, it's just today. What am I asking you to do today? Psalm 95 which is one of my uh, favourite psalms, part of that says in verses 7 and 8, says this, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in Meribah, as you did in Massa in the desert. Today, if you hear his voice, don't turn your back on him. Don't, don't turn your back on what God wants you to do. I, I'm reading a whole lot of scripture sentences today for a reason because I want to show you this is a theme through scripture. I was just going to do it on one story, but I I think there's some real power in actually understanding this is a whole theme throughout Scripture about living in the moment, living today. Deuteronomy 30, 19, says this. This is the day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, and I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. The Bible keeps on saying, you've got a choice. It's in your hands. It hasn't been defined by you, by what's been done to you, or what you've done in the past. Your future is not defined. You have a choice. It's up to you what you do. Joshua 24, verse 15, says this, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you'll serve, whether the gods of your forefathers, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in the lands of those you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Which God are you going to serve? The God of your forefathers, the God of materialism, the God of of chasing the the moment of chasing happiness, whatever that looks like. Or you're going to choose the Lord this day. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow you've got another choice to make. But today, who are you going to serve? What we plant in our lives today, ...will be the harvest of our future. Let me say that again. What we plant in our lives today... ...will be the harvest of the future. So what do you want in your future harvest? You know, a lot of us would say... ...oh, you know, I know what we want... ...but are you willing to plant that seed in your life today... Or you're just going to hope and miraculously dream that uh, that harvest you want will come. I We moved into a new house four years ago and I've done a lot of work in the garden and the lawns and everything else, but I never did the nature strip. Never. It was just... There was always builders in the street and it was always sort of like... And it was just this green, dusty patch of nothing. Not very level, not very straight. And I'd get out there and mow it every now and again and sort of dust would go everywhere. And Well, just before Christmas, I thought, oh, I'm going to do the... I'm going to do the nature strip. And I didn't prepare it super well... All I wanted it was flat and uh, I had some good builders next door who had a little um, excavator on site and so I said to Rowan and Jake, I said, uh, my son-in-law, I said, yeah. he couldn't say no, can you just scrape and make it flat for me? So they did that and I just went down to Bunnings and just got some seed and just threw it around now, it was supposed to be Kaikuya seed and I know that it's got all these different things in it and it's got and so my nature strip is flat and it's green but boy it's got a whole lot of different grasses in it it's definitely not the one style of grass because all these seeds have been thrown on it and for the nature strip that's fine but I wonder what sort of seeds we, th- we sort of plant in our lives. This whole mixture of stuff. But we, w- we always only want the godly stuff to grow up, don't we? But we throw in all this stuff into our lives and expect this harvest of purity. And we wonder why it doesn't happen. Galatians 6, 7 and 8 says this. Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked, a man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. And the one who sows to please the spirit, from that spirit will reap eternal life. You know, you've heard the saying, you know, you sow what you reap. You reap what you sow. I'll get it right. The question is: What are we? What are we sowing in our lives? What does that look like? What does that look like? Last the last four weeks as a church, we've been looking at our church values, And, and they're fantastic values. And as I thought about them and and prayed about them, I thought, it's easy for me to sit and listen to those and go, that's great values for the church to hold on to. But but I wonder what my values are. And if I'm a part of this church, then then am I going to own these values for myself And live these values out for myself as a part of this corporate family that we're a part of. And what what does that look like for me? You know, I know you know all the values in your head. You've memorised them and you've got them up on your walls at home. But just in case, let me just cover them for a second, literally. Literally. A home for all. You know, that, that talks about everyone is welcome in this place. But if you're living out that value at home, what does that look like? Who's welcome at your house? Who, who, who's Who's at home at your house? Just the nice ones that look like you or... You know, is there room for everybody at your house? One, one of the things I love to hear as a, as a regional pastor, I, I get to travel around all different Baptist churches in eastern Victoria and, and, and working with the, the Baptist Union, I, I get to hear what churches have done during the changing atmosphere of, of COVID. And one of the constant themes has been this, this sort of um, push thought that, that everyone becomes a pastor in their street, that everyone becomes the, the person who's going to reach the street because no one else can go into that street during lockdown, so you're it. And there's this real, real push to, be, to become that, that sort of person who everyone's welcome in your house. And, and, and you're the light in the street. And that's what God calls us to be like. So there's a home for all, but there's truth. We're truth seekers. Pursuing Jesus wherever he takes us. I read that and I've gone, wherever? You sure? That's a big term, Wherever. You know, that'll be out of my comfort zone. That'll be places I wouldn't normally go. What what does that look like for me? What does that look like for you if you really are a truth seeker following Jesus wherever he takes you? It's nice to say that for a church. Well, Jesus can take this church anywhere, you know. But when you make that an individual choice, that becomes a little bit more scary But it's a choice. A praying people, believing for the impossible. What's the impossible in your life that you're praying for? We should be praying for the impossible. Because that's what's called praying in faith. It's easy to pray for the things that you can sort of see happening before you. But God calls us to stretch our faith, to pray for the impossible. because as, as you hear from here regularly, when we pray, it changes the world around us. So what are you praying for? And ready as we are, growing as we go. And, and for me that is very comforting, challenging but comforting because C- you know sometimes God leads me to places like I'm not ready for that, I'm, I'm not prepared for that, but I'm, I'm ready as I go and I'll just grow into that space, I'll become ready. What choices are you making today to make your future different? I just want to talk to the camera for a minute because there's a lot of people who have chosen to to stay away for for good reasons. And, And I'm not an advocate of saying you need to come back. But the challenge is you have to work harder for fellowship, harder to stay connected, harder to sort of live some of this stuff out because you're in your own little bubble. And I want to make sure that that people at home still recognise that they are a part of this corporate values and they're still a part of, of what is happening here just because they don't come on a Sunday. And they may not come on a Sunday for a long time. And they may never come on a Sunday. But they're still a part of what is happening in this church, in this community. And, I'm, and that's, that's a, a sort of a, a thing that's happening through the whole Baptist world. I, a Baptist pastor was talking to me two weeks ago and he said, I have two congregations now. I have those who come and those that watch. And we talked about it. And it's really easy to say those that watch are just passive Those that watch aren't really a part of the church because they don't come. And that's not the truth. That's not the reality. And it's not what we should slip into here or at home. It's not. It's just a new way of gathering and doing church. But it is really easy to fall into the trap of going, I'm just a watcher. If we live out our first value for those here who regularly come, home for all doesn't necessarily mean physically in the place. There's a place for us in the family. And so we need to make sure that we recognise that our family is bigger than this that our community is bigger than this. That's important. And, and, if, and if you're at home and you've, and you've chosen to stay at home for whatever reason, and there's a number of reasons people are staying at home, and, and I'm not casting doubt on whether they're good, bad or indifferent because everyone's a different story. But what I am saying is make sure That if you are choosing to stay at home, that you still stay connected as best as you can, so into your future by the the choices you make to be a part of something bigger than who you are. I just want you to do one exercise for me, whether you're here or at home. Because I've got minus one second. That clock just gets you, doesn't it? I started by saying, if you were going to introduce yourself in 30 seconds, how would you define yourself? Now, if I was to ask you how you're going to introduce yourself would it change would it, would it, would your adjectives and definitions change what would it look like if you said something like hi my name and you can put in your name but i'll just talk about me because i'm not going to choose for you my name's robert i'm an encourager of baptist churches and pastors I want to see in my ministry Baptist pastors flourish and their churches flourish. I want to see my family become even stronger and more encouraging than they are now. I want to see and just fill it in rather than say, Hi, I'm Robert. I've got four kids I've passed it here for 23 years. I've done this and I've done that. Isn't it better to define ourselves or to describe ourselves by what our dreams and values and hopes are in the future and make choices to see that live out? If you had to describe what you hoped your future looked like, would you be able to do it? Some of us have to forget the past. No, sorry. Have to not allow the past to define us because we can't forget the past. Not let our past define us, but let our future hopes and dreams guide us in the choices we make. My prayer is that today each of us will live out what God has called us to live out, and we will make choices to sow into our future. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are the God of the future, that you are the one that calls us to a new life, to a new future, to a a future of freedom, of hope, and of love and forgiveness. Father, I pray that those that have struggled with their past will know freedom and peace. For those who have looking to a future and 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 can't see past the, the, the problems and the issues that they're trying to deal with, that you will give them insight, you'll give them hope. Father, we thank you for what you can do in healing the pain of the past and giving us a hope for the future. And may we experience that this day and this week. In Jesus' name, amen.